Well, good morning. One of the things about life that we realize uh, really quick is uh, that life is temptation. No matter where we go, that life uh, throws at us uh, curveballs of temptation in which we have to uh, face into. And as we study the book of James, James is calling us to a lifestyle of holiness, a lifestyle that is set apart unto Jesus, that we are no longer our own, we are bought with a price, and so the brother of Jesus is reminding us in his book of James, I want you to live in accordance with what God has you to be. I want you to live as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a child of the Lord, in obedience to him. And yet what we all know to be true is that as we, as we go on this journey of faith, each and every one of us comes to a fork in the road, I would say most often every day, and we have to make a choice. There is one road that is temptation. And you know what? It looks very similar to the other road, which is truth. And actually, the road of temptation looks a little bit smoother, looks a little bit easier to go upon. But every day we stand, and God is calling us to make a choice to follow him. But every day, life is temptation. You know, I uh, I was sharing that uh, I was on vacation with my bride uh, just a little while ago, and and the place we were at had a a wonderful uh, beach that was, uh, it was a sunny, warm environment and just a beautiful beach. And so we would go to enjoy the sunshine and, and jump in the ocean. And, and, uh, but one of the things I realized is as I would go onto the sand and, and just hang out on the beach, things kept coming into my mind like, doesn't anybody own clothes anymore? <laughs> as I looked around me. And so every day uh, I went back to that same spot to answer that question. And, you know, that's, that's some of the reality, which is, well, what do we do? We live in this world that throws all kinds of things at us. And if we are in our creation, we're attracted to certain things. And you go, thank God for your creation. But again, you stand at the fork. And you go, Lord, I have a beautiful wife. Lord, I have a great marriage. Lord... I don't want to live life where I have to hide in a closet every day. I want to live life in obedience to you in the middle of this world that is full of just a mess. But I'm called to live in it, not be of it. And so help me as I come to this fork in the road that I don't begin, that my mind doesn't shift gears towards someone else. You know, one of the things I think we have to realize in this this journey of ours is that we are in a spiritual battle. We don't need to hide. We don't just need to stay in our rooms every day so that we don't have to face temptation. Boy, our minds can spin enough. We can, you know, be tempted anyway in the closet. But to face and to realize, you know what? We are followers of Jesus Christ in a fallen world. We're going to face temptation. There is a spiritual battle going on. And God says, put on the spiritual armor of God, Ephesians 6, because you're going to face battle. And don't get me wrong, there are some things, again, that we need to not be in the environment of. I mean, if we, if we struggle with alcohol, it's not the wisest thing to be near a bar. But overall in life, every day, 
we face temptation. And I know God is calling each of us to choose him and the path of righteousness. That we would again be more and more like him, made in his image. That we would believe him that this path has life. And as many of us have recognized, the other path, which looks so much smoother, leads to death. So what does James say about temptation in our life? Turn with me. And just, uh, if you were here last week, uh, I'm, I'm kind of going back. I was supposed to go a little further last week, but the Spirit just uh, had me stay in one place. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Uh, so we're going to be uh, in James uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and he is enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. James deals with, again, he's calling us on this road to perfection, a road to, that word perfection in scripture means maturity. That we're growing up in the image and, and uh, in the creation of Christ, that we're looking more and more like him. And so he calls us into obedience, and yet there's roadblocks along the way. There's forks in the road, temptation being one of them. And one of the things I want us to realize as brothers and sisters in Christ, and especially as families with, with young uh, children and teenagers growing up, but truly for anyone, because none of us are immune to temptation, is we really need to, to be people who are quick to extend grace. Truly, we live in this world where we are bombarded with just evil, more so than any other generation. We have so much information and images popping at us so quickly. And just think, you know, if you're a teenager in this generation... Uh, how do you even survive? And so instead of maybe coming down hard on your young ones trying to make it through as a follower of Jesus Christ, I just want to encourage you to extend grace, to realize that they are going to be tempted hard every day. Every day. School. I mean, the, the, world, the, the world that we're raising our children in is just unbelievable. And so that especially, again, as parents and as brothers and sisters with each other, they would say, you know what? We are. We're facing temptation. It's coming down hard. But let's build each other up. Let's remind each other of how to walk this walk. Let's help each other along this journey instead of just crushing each other and, and in a sense, pointing the finger as though we are better. I think God is calling us to realize, hey, temptation's part of the deal. We don't have to sin in the middle of it. We don't. But it's going to be there every day, that fork in the road. Because he says this. He says, listen... When tempted, not if, no one should say, God is tempting me. You see, people would, would cry out that it's, it's the Lord's fault. Basically because they didn't want to take blame for their, their sin. It's the Lord who's putting me through this. He's the one who allowed it to happen. What am I supposed to do? And we accuse God. And James is addressing that and saying, listen, it isn't the Lord who leads you into temptation. Temptation 
the enticement to sin, the enticement to be led into disobedience, and we accuse God. He's the one who put me in this difficult spot. And we come up with all kinds of excuse that my life is hard. I've been dealt a bad deck. You don't understand all that I've had to go through. And so I accuse God for giving me this hard life. Life's unfair. But James says this isn't true of God. This is not his character at all. He cannot, he cannot lead us to sin. He cannot entice us to disobedience. You see, God's test, as we looked at last week, these trials of various colors are to grow us up, are to to mature us in him, that we again would have that image of the character of Jesus Christ. God is longing for us to, again, persevere, to run the race so that we would receive the crown. And as we just prayed over Hardin in his life, a life well run. And he has. He's received the crown. We know that to be true. He ran a race holding on to the truth of, of the Lord. And one of the things that we learned about Hardin more yesterday as people shared about his life is he held on to the word of God as true and as life. His whole being was about holding on to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and getting it out there to everybody through his ministry with the Gideons. Because he wanted people to know the love of God. He wanted people to, to grow up in God. And the Lord wants that for us. He's not out to tempt us, to take us off the path. Now look how it comes about, this temptation. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one, when tempted by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and he's enticed. And then look at the process. After the desire has conceived, this whole birth scenario, it gives birth to sin and then sin to death. Isn't it amazing the wrestling we go with? We try to blame everybody else, but it's all on us. Man, we are wretched sinners, and I, and I wish all of us could just take a look in the mirror and just go, yuck, I am. But I'm saved by a loving God, and he has purified me. He has saved my life, and so I can rejoice in who he is and what he's doing in me. Listen to what First uh, Peter says. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires, and look how he words it, which wage war against your soul. Do you think this is just some little thing that we face daily? It's a war going on. And I think we have to acknowledge that. And I think every day when we wake up, we've got to know we're going into battle. Temptation is right outside the door. And so, Lord, help. Because I want to live for you. Because my life is all about you. And so, Lord, help me through this day. You know, again, you've got the greatest saint of all time. You've got Paul. And in Romans 7, he's going, Man, why, why is it that the things I want to do, I don't do? And the things that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And you go, that's Paul. 
That's the guy who encountered God on the road to Damascus. And he struggles, this, this war that rages. And I guess, again, one of the things we just have to do is we have to open our eyes to the reality of this incredible battle going on around us. But we also have to know that we can have victory in this battle. That God will sustain us as we come to the fork in the road, that he is the one who will give us an opportunity to get out. That idea that there is, you know, we are snared in, it, it kind of has a fishing idea of a, of a worm that's sitting out there and the fish is in its safe place and it, it sees the worm coming down and it, it's kind of enticed out. And it goes after that worm and then it is hooked and the one who caught it is thrilled, the enemy. But just like all you old fishermen out there, you know that feeling. And the enemy feels the same way. I got it. And then it can't get loose. You know, that's the one thing about sin. It takes us further than we ever want to go. We think maybe just a little sin here and we'll make it through. It always takes us further than we ever want to go. And you go, oh Lord, how did I end up here? Because you were enticed and your flesh gave in. And yet the Lord is saying, I want you to be obedient to me. You know, it's interesting. I think temptation begins when we start to think that God is not giving me the life that I deserve. God isn't giving me the life that I desire. He's not making me happy. He's holding out on me. It's the garden scenario with Adam and Eve. And I think that starts to spin through our brains. There's more out there. Again, that road that looks kind of smooth and nice. Why wouldn't God want me to go on that road? And our minds start to spin. And it's the desire conceived. It, it is born in this, this temptation. We give into it, and it's what derails us. We actually, our minds really start to engage. And again, temptation is not sin. It's the giving of birth. It's the conception that happens. It's when we decide again that if we take that beach scenario, that I'm just going to look upon this woman who is not my bride, and I'm going to think about all the things of her. That's where we enter into sin. That's where our minds are engaged. And that's where the Lord is saying, it gives birth to death. You think that there's going to be life here, and it gives birth to nothing but death. And so it's this war within our soul. And God is saying, I have more for you. I have life. Don't buy into the lie that I'm not providing for you. Don't believe that I won't provide. It destroys our lives. It separates us from the Lord. And it is death. And I just want to encourage you as a body of Christ, because I know this is true right now of many of us, that even today, we stand at that fork, and man, we are tempted. And we are having this war going on in our soul. And in the power of the Lord, I want to encourage you as brothers and sisters 
you don't have to go down that path. It leads to nothing but death. That you would listen to the voice of God, the lover of your soul. And this is what the scripture goes on to say. You know, there's another highway here. And this highway is coming straight from the kingdom of heaven into our lives. Listen to this. Verse 16, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heaven, of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. Here is the truth. We do not have to give in. We do not have to give in to sin. And sometimes I think we just get stuck in a rut where we think, I just can't get out and there is no hope and I just, you know, I don't know any other way anymore. And the Lord is saying, you don't have to go there. The scriptures remind us in Romans 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed Metamorphose the renewal of your soul by the renewal of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, his perfect will. Remember how last week I talked about, I just think we can't forget who we are. That we are children of God. And then again, we cannot forget that like any parent who loves their children, we love to give good things to our children. And God, how much more? He is the giver of all good things. Don't be deceived, the scripture says, into believing that he does not know your need, that he will not fulfill you. Don't be deceived into believing he doesn't know what's going on in your life right now. Don't be deceived into thinking that he won't provide for you. Everything good, which is all that God has for our lives, everything good, which is his whole being, his whole character, comes down from above. God's every spiritual blessing comes down from above. Everything of the Lord, his power comes down from above. And so if you're at that fork in the road this morning, then may we truly get on our knees and say, God, help me through your power of the Holy Spirit and deliver me from this. Because he says, I give birth through the truth of God. There's birth to death, which is sin, but through me and through my truth is a birth unto life. Every good gift, everything good for your life, as you hold on to truth, gives birth to to the beauty of who he is and beauty in your life and life, not death. Everything we need to resist temptation, everything we need to resist temptation is found in the life of Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.13 So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. Now don't miss this. And God is faithful. 
And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond that which you can bear. But when you are tempted, and the Lord knows you will be, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. A way of escape. And the word of truth is our escape. Like Jesus in the desert, as the enemy kept coming upon him. Didn't it say this? And Jesus would respond with the word. But didn't it say this? And Jesus would bring forth truth. Every temptation that was laid out before him, he responded with truth. Let me give you an example, because I'm sure many of you have had this, where you've been in conflict with someone you love. And it's hard, and you feel like you've been wronged. And you go, man, they need to come and apologize to me. I can't believe what they've done. And so you sit in your anger and you stew in your anger and it starts to be the seed that just, is, just eats away at your soul. And I know you guys have been there. I have. And I know you're sinners like I am. And we let it fester. And the enemies go on, that guy doesn't deserve your friendship. Move on. He's a joke. Who cares about what he thinks? And the word of God says that we are to reconcile. And the word of God says we're to forgive. Because we've been forgiven. And the word of God says we are to be peacemakers. Because God is a God of peace. And when we respond to that, it gives birth unto life. What's God calling you to do today? Because he doesn't want you to remain in death. The smooth road that looks so good, temptation is to say, a heck without relationship. And the Lord God is saying, preserve the unity of the Spirit of Christ in your midst. We respond to temptation with the power of the Word of God. And He provides a way of escape. Nothing that you can't bear because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And may you never forget that. Because I know some of you are right there at that very edge. And God is calling you to obedience because He wants you to have life, not death. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I will seek you with all of my heart, the psalmist cries out in 119. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Asking God to help us to keep our way pure, to have life and obedience. 
and he helps us stay on this road to perfection, that we are growing in Jesus Christ, that the image of Christ is being made more and more, you and I both, more and more in the image of Jesus, living out the love of God to each other, to this broken world. Let God transform you by the renewal of our mind, that we switch our thinking that God doesn't care and knowing that he does and knowing that he can get us out of this, that worm that's, that's labeled out there that's just sitting there. We don't, have to take the, we don't have to take the bait. As we move on into this next section of Scripture, it really is a, again, on this journey of faith of ours, it's a call to obedience. And, you know, I think that's so hard for each and every one of us. I think, you know, as you think about our human nature, and, and I kind of live this out, you know, daily with, with my boys. Uh, I mean, just for this is kind of every night typically at our house. But, hey, boys, it's time for bed. No, Dad! <laughs> no, it's not even dark out yet. They don't want to go. No, boys, I really want you to go to bed so you'll be awake tomorrow and, and can enjoy the day. No, Dad, and they run downstairs and they hide somewhere. Okay, guys, let's brush our teeth. Dad, I don't want to brush my teeth. And they throw a fit and they'll sprawl out on the ground. And You know, it's just this, 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 this attitude of disobedience. They don't want to do it. They want to rebel against that. Just at a young age. And we all know it and we all did it. And we still do. And so you go, how do you, take, how do you take this sinful nature of ours that from childhood just kind of kicks against following because we all want to be in charge and in control? And how do we start to really humbly let God do his work in our lives? And James is really calling us to that, a lifestyle of obedience. That we don't, again, just show up on Sunday and say, oh, that was nice. But that the Word of God is transforming your life and that we are responding to Him. This is what the Scriptures say. Verse 19, my brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. An evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word of God, which is planted in you and which can save you. He's calling us into a lifestyle of obedience. And one of the things that he first says is that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry. And you know what? This is sage advice. It's sage advice for any relationship. As you sit in relationship that we would really be quick to listen. We have two ears and one mouth, and for a purpose. That we listen much, talk little. But you know what? Honestly, this passage isn't so much speaking about our relationship with one another. It's speaking about our relationship to the Word of God coming into our lives. That we would be ones who are quick to respond to what God has to speak into our lives towards obedience as we deal with temptation, 
as we desire to live for Him. And that we would say, yes, I, I want to hear what you have to say for my life. And that we're slow to talk. That, that we are quick to, to want to know what God has to say for our lives. I pray for all of us, you know, and this is, this is my challenge as well, that, that we don't just, we're not just fitting God in when we can. That He isn't just, you know, part of, I hope I can have time with the Lord today and hear what He has to say to my life. Quick, first thing, first, hear what God has to say through His Word, through prayer, that when we wake up in the morning, we're saying, God, is there, is there anything you want to tell me this morning? Is there someone you want to lay on my heart that I have no idea, but you want me to go talk to him? Are we quick to listen to God and slow to speak? We live in this, this talk radio generation. And I know many of you listen to it. I do as well. And, and, and we actually kind of live that way, which is, it's just a bunch of chatter going on back and forth, and it's angry argument. And so we just, we just talk, 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 and we want to get our point. We, we ask for your opinion, but we're not really listening. Don't we do that with God? And if I don't like what you say, or if I get angry about what you say, I just cut you off. And then I say, I can't believe what that caller just said. Don't we do that with God? He says, I don't want you, I want you to be quick to listen, and I want you to talk little. I don't want you to be philosophizing and, and I don't want you to be intellectualizing. And it's not about this, this whole dissecting of truth. Just sit around and we talk about the Word of God. It's one of the struggles for the young seminarian. <clears throat> they come out full of all this head knowledge. And we see it over and over again. And they come out and they think they've got it all, and now there's some sort of new theology that they've come up with, and they've got all the answers, and they battle with that. We've talked to death the truth, and yet we're not living it out. And God's saying, listen to me. This is how I want you to respond to me. I want you to just stop talking about it. I want you to start living it. That's what making a disciple is, that we help each other to live it out not just sit here and chatter about the Word of God. He says, I want you to be quick. Listen to what I have to say. I speak life into you, and it is the truth that gives birth to life. And become slow to anger. You know, again, when God speaks to us, and if He speaks to us things that we don't really want to respond to, our hearts kick against it because we know truth. We know what God's calling us to. And yet our soul is waging war with God. You say, don't become angry. I'm calling you into righteousness. I'm calling you into life. I desire righteousness in your life. And when you become bitter and angry, you don't allow the righteous life of God to work in your life. So get rid of all this moral filth. You know, it's actually the medical term there is get rid of the earwax. Isn't that interesting? Your ears are clogged up and you're letting it get thicker and thicker and you can't hear a word I'm saying to you because you're just talking back and you're cutting me off when you disagree and you're just talking about the Word of God like it's some you know, ink on paper when the Scripture says it's living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. 
Live in obedience because I have life for you. Stop all the chatter. God has a righteous plan to work in your life. And so strip off this old way. Get rid of it. Just get rid of it. It's like a new set of clothes. He's saying, take off all these clothes that have been stained and, and, and throw them down and let's put on new life. Let's live it out now. Let's live in what I have. Don't live a life where your car is dirty and your children are even washing, wash me on the car. And you look at the car and you say, well, I'm not going to wash it because it's just going to get dirty again. And so you live in filth. Saying, cleanse it, wash it off. I have new life. Get a new set of clothes. Listen, I'm going to read Colossians. This is a powerful passage. Chapter 3. Since then, and here's the truth, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, godly things, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, godly things, not on earthly things, things that the world tries to lead you into. For, listen, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I love this verse 4, and I hope this is true of us. When Christ, who is your life, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, greed, idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to, now listen to this, you used to walk in these ways. You once lived there. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as anger and rage, malice and slander, filthy language. Do not lie to one another since you have taken off the old self with all of its practices and you have put on the new self which is being renewed, that's sanctification, that's being made holy. You're starting to look like Jesus. You're being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of its creator. Here there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, slave or free, but in Christ all is in, and all is in us. Therefore, and this is who we are, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. These are the image and the character of God. Are these developing in our lives? Bear with one another. Be long-suffering, that means. Forgive whatever grievances that you may have against each other, like I shared with that story. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and, and over all virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Is that happening with us? And since members of one body, we were called to one peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and as you admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in our hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord God Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That's life in Christ. 
That's life when we face the fork in the road. You used to live this way. You don't have to anymore. And what God commands of us, He empowers us to do. We do not have to sin. We can live in obedience and in truth. And we can live in righteousness. And so stop just giving in, truly. Each and every one of us need to encourage each other. Stop giving in because we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What is it that you're facing today? Don't give in. All of us. I mean, woe to me if I think I'm above that. I'm not even close. I'm begging God, Lord, I don't want to go down this path. Every day, I want to be a righteous man. I want to live a life that's pleasing to you. And yet we don't want to do that often. You know, this, uh, this is a great book, by the way, Blue Like Jazz. Many of you have read it. Donald Miller, he's a young guy, but he's got some great insight into a generation longing to know God. And he says this, as we believe upon God, he says, the trouble with deep belief is that it costs something. And there's something inside me, something selfish, some subtle thing that doesn't look like truth at all. Because it carries a responsibility. And if I actually believe these things, I have to do something about them. And that's his wrestling. And I think that's our honest wrestling. If I believe that God has this life for me, if I believe he has saved my life, if I believe that I belong to him, then truly I have to respond. And that's why the scripture goes on. He says this. Do not merely just listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away, he forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he heard, but doing it, he will be blessed. It's a lifestyle called to not just hearing the word, but letting it sink in, right? Let it take root, that you receive it, that you say, yes, I take it, I believe it's true, I believe that you love me, I believe that you're not holding out on me, and so I listen. I don't go into the mirror, and I look in the mirror, and I've got smudges all over myself, and then I walk away, and I forget. And like, oh yeah, there's dirt all over my face. But be like the man who looks in the mirror, says, looks intently, gazes upon, wants to see what his life really is about. Be one who gazes upon your life and says, Lord, refine me. I see the smudges. And through your power, I want you to help me be freed from this. I want to be a doer of your word. And James goes on to contrast. He says, here's here's what real righteousness is. Real religion. If anyone considers himself religious, but he doesn't keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. Again, it's talking religion. Got a lot of that from the Pharisees, right? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after the orphans and the widows in their distress. Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. He's going, I don't want you again to, to just talk this Christian life. I don't want you to live a life that, that again, looks the image. Scriptures say, look at you, you're, you're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. But you're dead inside. 
He doesn't want that for us. A lifestyle really that is giving birth to sin and we're missing out on the work of God in our lives that transforms us and gives birth to life. And so he's calling us to obedience that we wouldn't again just hear truth but we'd say, yes, I want to live in truth. I want to react. Every little bit of truth I get, I want to respond to. And the truth is, we just don't. We, we are a generation that gets so much information, so much information of good things, but we're not responding. We're not responding. We get to live the fruit of God in our lives as we respond. And he says, one of the things of pure religion we know it's of God, is that we care for those who can't care for themselves. That's pure religion. Religion used here is, is an idea of vestments and, and banners. Religion's not about the beauty and the decor and the, the song. And, you know. It's about our heart that has the heart of God. When we love those who can't love themselves, can't take care of themselves, we don't get anything in return. They can't give us anything. We're not loving the beautiful people and the rich people who give us things. There's no praise in it. He's saying it's the heart of God. God always has a heart for those who can't help themselves. This is one way that we are doers of the word. Not legalism, right? But just out of a response to God. Maybe God's calling you to that right now. Who is it that I know that I can minister to that really has a hard time caring for themselves? The widows, the orphans. What does God put in my heart? Because I know it's the character of God. And he's calling us to respond to his word. And so my prayer is for all of us that as we, as we come to this fork in the road, which we do every day, that we would be doers of God's word. God, you call me to righteousness. And here's what you have for my life. God, you provided a way out. I'm going to live for you. God, I know you have good things for me. You're not out to hold out. And so I give my life to you. First fruits, here's my offering of me.